Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. The United States Senate conducted its questioning on Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown Jackson this week. Republican senators spent so much time hammering Judge Jackson about her sentences for child pornography defendants and her thoughts on sentences for child pornography cases. They were asking so many questions about child pornography cases that I thought Josh Hawley's next question was going to be, Mr. Chairman, may we take a recess? so I can destroy my child pornography collection. (laughs) For legal reasons, I have to say, Josh Hawley does not have a child pornography collection, to the best of my knowledge. (laughs) Gas prices have come down from where they were, but not quite as low as it was before. Those who are really upset about gas prices are worried they'll have to cut back on fuel for either their gas-guzzling vehicles or their cross-burning parties. Fuel prices are so out of control that my Tinder hookups have started giving me gas money. Only joking, of course. I take it from their purse while they're in the bathroom. 
Donald Trump rescinded his endorsement of Alabama Congressman Mo Brooks for suggesting Americans move forward from the 2020 election. For his sake, I hope that bulletproof vest Mo Brooks wore at the White House rally on January 6th wasn't a rental. Major League Baseball's lockout has ended, so now baseball stadia will be filled with fans rooting for their home team. Except, of course, in Baltimore. <laughs> Only joking, of course, will be filled when the Yankees and Red Sox come to town. Barstool Sports wrote a scathing piece criticizing the Orioles for not doing more to get Trey Mancini and John Means, two of their best players, out of arbitration. Imagine screwing up a sports team so bad that you get slammed by Dave Portnoy. Imagine blundering so bad that you're being scoffed at by the type of people who happily collect their paychecks from a sexual predator with multiple accusations against him. Barstool Sports was even kicked out of the Super Bowl by the NFL. The NFL, an organization who covered up severe brain injuries, domestic violence, and who barred Colin Kaepernick from playing the game, kicked out Barstool Sports for immoral behavior, and in turn, they're the ones criticizing the Orioles' fuck-ups right now. And on that note, on with the show. Please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Gina Brown. Hey, Tom. Everyone, welcome. Abby, Gina, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. you. Gina, uh, congratulations. I believe you have a, uh, uh, a film debut this coming up this week. I have a docu-series that launched yesterday on Netflix. The Principles of Pleasure. Enjoy. So, it's, so does that mean, Tom, today's topic is just sex? <laughs> Based on that monologue, it sounded like it kind of was. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking about legal appropriate kinds of pleasure on the show that I'm in. <laughs> I want to give Josh Hawley. I don't think there's any such thing. They asked him so many questions about child pornography. It was like they were, can we do this? What do you think? Oh, can we push it down to the states? Right. <laughs> right. Can the states decide? Right. No. What a mess. I do want to give a plug, though, Tom, and say something nice about Baltimore. There's a novelist in Baltimore named Matthew Norman, and he's written several books which are centered on people living in Maryland. And his latest is called All Together Now, and it's set at at Fenwick Island. And it's enjoyable. There's no politics in it. It's fun. It's intelligent. It's a good read. And yes, he's from Baltimore. Fenwick Island, though, like the people who go there don't really consider themselves Marylanders, though, to be fair. I mean, people go to the Eastern Shore as like uh, as a a safe haven. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, when people go to Staten Island, they say, oh, we're showing this to show that we're we're different from you know New York City, but you know we still want to be a part of it. Is there anything that I could say that you wouldn't turn around and and sound make it sound bad? You've been on every single one of these <laughs> podcast episodes, Jeff. That's true. I should have known. That. <laughs> <laughs> Only in Ukraine could a comedian turned president like Vladimir Zelensky galvanize the support of the world's citizens in his fight against Russia. Meanwhile, if an American comedian became a wartime president, 
then the only messages of support he would receive would be several comments on his Facebook page going, who books this? (laughs) (laughs) There should be no comparison between Zelensky and someone like Ronald Reagan. Sure, they are both actors who became the top chief executive of their respective countries. Of course, while one is fighting the might of the Russian army, the other fought an old guy by asking him to take down a wall. The Subway sandwich chain is facing calls for a boycott because they still do business in Russia. I'm not shocked that a company who picked a random customer to be their spokesperson who turned out to have a penchant for paying for sex with minors makes bad business decisions. Joining us tonight (laughs) to discuss everything going on in Ukraine, please welcome back to the show, attorney and former talk show host, Ward Morrow. Thank you. You know, I I used to have a vice unit when I was a Baltimore City prosecutor, so I think that's my best background for this particular show. (laughs) (laughs) What, the way people run subways in Russia? (laughs) You know, it, it does seem shocking to me that with all that's going on in Ukraine, and everybody kind of knew this was going to take place, that it's only taking place in the Ukraine. I was kind of expecting that, I don't know, I, I mean, I saw in Belarus, they said the, the train workers kind of derailed some of the tracks there so the Russians couldn't get the trains in. I'm waiting for the Russian anti-war movement to sort of seem like the Vietnam, anti-Vietnam folks back in the 60s and have the kind of rallies where you know maybe they do some street theater, not just get arrested, but maybe do something funny like, you know, I, I don't know what would be funny in Russia necessarily right now, but I got to think there's some things they could do. And with everybody with cameras, um, you know, it might really have an impact. Ward, uh, I've been to Russia. There is no funny in Russia. <laughs> yeah, I, I only got as far as Romania and I, I didn't find Transylvania particularly funny, nor the Bucharest train station. Um, they needed to clean up the restrooms. You know, Tom, I just realized you mentioned comedians and President Zelensky's sitcom is now on Netflix, as is Gina. So, so actually, if you, if you wanna know if President Zelensky and Gina Brown have something in common, the answer is yes. Are we Kevin Baking-ing, President Zelensky? <laughs> <laughs> How many degrees of separation between Gina? Clearly no, no degrees. <laughs> There's no degrees of separation between Vladimir Zelensky and The Apprentice. We know that. Right. <laughs> and, and didn't Manafort get pulled off a plane today? I, I got to wonder, where was Paul Manafort flying to? Moscow? I mean, what does he know? Does he have a passport even? Not anymore. <laughs> he doesn't. Well, he, was, took it. <laughs> well he, he was pardoned. So I think, that, doesn't that mean they get everything back? I mean, I don't know the, the legalities of that, but. No. You he could, didn't. but it apparently was revoked. And I guess, you know, whatever actions he needed to take to reinstate, he hasn't taken. But yet he got on a plane. <laughs> so, But then he got, he, he was kicked off, right? <laughs> so, right? I mean, if he got on the plane, then he probably had some documents that said, you know, I'm supposed to be on this international flight. Right. It was what he did once he got on the plane that was the problem. Right. <laughs> Was he bribing the stewardesses or something? <laughs> or something right, just something. He didn't like his seat, you know, he wanted to move up. <laughs> Do I have to wear this mask? Uh... Right. <laughs> Despite the efforts of the Russian government to keep their people on the side of their country, it is becoming clear that their reach to win domestic hearts and minds is slipping. 
as these Russians fleeing their homeland tell us. We spent the day on Platform 9 of Helsinki's main train station. Nearly 700 passengers, mostly Russia, arrive here each day. I was just reading the news and what's going on, uh, and uh, my eyes were going bigger and bigger, and I thought that there they, they will be a moment then they might decide to close the borders. I have a lovely little four-year-old and my lovely wife, and uh, I hope that they will leave uh, not in USSR. They're nervous about closing borders and loss of freedoms, as Russia is increasingly isolated from the rest of the world. Lots of people in Russia, they have no idea about what's going on. Now it's already will be super hard even to express your opinion in social media, because just when I was in a train, it was the decision made by the government that Instagram and Facebook will be blocked. Passengers on this train need a valid COVID certificate and a travel or work permit. As we filmed arrivals, many turned their faces away from the camera. Some said if people see this, they won't be able to go back home. The very few who agreed to speak on camera, they asked us not to use their last names. Are you nervous about talking on camera a little bit? Yeah. Why? Uh, well, because there are new laws almost every day that you need to check what you should and you shouldn't say to be for this side of the prison. I don't know if I will stop talking. I don't think I will ever respect myself after that. Lots of my friends, they are in jail or they were uh, captured by authorities uh, because they were going different places. They were protesting, and I just don't. I don't feel like it's safe. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what my point of view is right now because it's just not safe to talk about it. People get arrested randomly on the days of protests and my sister was arrested on one day. Yeah, nothing happened, but it was random because she wasn't even at a uh, demonstration. But I think it's just like, in general, the, um, the intention is to scare young people off uh, from doing this. Mm. I know that the, uh, I get, it, it's getting really bad in Russia to the point where um, they had a piece where after the uh, hearing where uh, opposition leader Alexei Navalny's sentence was extended to an additional nine years in prison, uh, his lawyers were getting ready to do a press conference. They were getting ready to speak to the media and they themselves were arrested. So, you know, just for even trying to talk to them, e even though this uh, this footage was it was filmed outside of Russia. People had just gotten off the trains after leaving them, maybe because of family connections or the idea that they might be able to go back home. They're still, they're still afraid to speak out. This to me feels so much like Hong Kong when that flip that we all just kind of ignored. I mean, it was in the news for a bit, but it was like, this feels exactly like the young people are protesting. Then within like a week, it's just all shut down and there's there's no more freedoms and it's you know this closing in circle 
That's what this sounded like to me. I was cheered to when I read the the interesting efforts that people are making to to subvert the censorship, and I hope that it's getting through. Are you yeah. confident that it can, or Ward? Do you think that uh, that Putin is is so uh, megalomaniacal that he will do anything to block uh, any outside sources? I, I don't think you can in the global environment these days with iPhones and phone phones and everything that's out there. I mean, there, there's ways, you, you know, you don't only have to communicate through Facebook. So, you know, you can't shut off the entire internet. Um, and if people have ways of connecting to the internet or even just on the telephone, you've got so many Russian people who have lived in the Ukraine, Ukrainians who live in Russia. I mean, the, the cross-pollination of these two countries that are very close to each other and, and have a history with each other. And, and I got to think this is just so counterproductive for even Putin's own aims. You know, when you, when you bomb and blow up women and children and hospitals and you see on, on the news what they're doing, you can't think that, you know, at some point they're going to surrender and go, oh, okay, we'll just be your buddies again. I, I, I mean, this is going to take generations to undo. The, the people that are still living there, I mean, hopefully they don't get, you know, blown up or gassed or whatever he's going to do. And, and, you know, also on our end, I mean, is history going to look back and say, you know, you guys all knew you could have set up a little fly zone, but you were worried about World War III, but you allowed this to happen on your watch. And yeah, you gave them some money and yeah, you gave them some weapons, but, you know, did you really do everything that you could have done? And, and I think back to like World War II, I mean, you know, did we do enough? Did we do what we, we ought to do? And I look at Poland. I mean, I think the, the only people that really come out of this, you know, that you got to tip your hat to in a big way. Poland has all of these immigrants coming across and you see people on the news driving to the train stations to pick people up and bring them and let them stay in their homes. And, you know, we at the southern border are separating people, you know, into cages and separating from their families. I mean, it, it really puts us to shame, unfortunately, but, but to their credit, I mean, I, you know, the Nobel Peace Prize could be given to an entire country. It probably should go to Poland. So you're saying that like it's gotten like, Poland's image has improved so much and our image has taken such a hit that in some twisted sense of revenge, Polish people are going to start telling American jokes. <laughs> Tom, I'm pretty sure the entire rest of the world tells American jokes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the last four years haven't taught you anything. Right. But the people of Poland deserve it. Damn it. Yes. Not anymore. No. Anymore. Always ready to set themselves apart from legitimate news outlets, the folks at Fox have taken to having their commentators take a more subdued reaction to the Russian invasion. And it gets recognized by Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in this clip. So we, we know the manners and the tricks which are being used uh, by the Western countries to manipulate media. We, we understood long ago that there is no such thing as an independent Western media. Uh, if you take the United States, only Fox News is trying to present some alternative uh, point of view. Uh, but when uh, uh, you see, you watch other channels, and when you, when you uh, watch, uh, read uh, social networks uh, and uh, internet platforms, uh, when uh, acting president was, was blocked, uh, uh, as you know, and this uh, uh, censorship continues in very big way. 
and the you know substitution of uh, notions uh, whenever whenever something is happening uh, by by the way of mass protest mass demonstrations which they don't like they immediately call it uh, domestic terrorism so uh, it's 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 a war uh, and it's a war which involves uh, the methods of information terrorism. There is no doubt about this. I mean, we covered a little bit of this last week when, you know, we played the, the clip of the of the America First people literally cheering for Vladimir Putin and then discussing the irony behind that. And then you have Fox, who goes ahead and boasts that, you know, they're America's newsroom and they're they're pretty much you know, bought and paid for by you know, Russian propagandists, it seems. I mean, even, you know, going so far as, you know, to hire commentators who go ahead and spew their party line. I thought it was interesting that he he mentioned the censorship that we have here, and yet there's whole communication sectors, like, <laughs> missing information over there. Like, oh, okay. Of course, he decried Twitter for... Uh, removing uh, the former guy from mm-hmm. its platform. Right. Can we talk about how the ticker tape at the bottom at one point <laughs> said Crimea celebrates eight years of joining Russia? <laughs> Did you all see that? I saw it. Yeah. No, I was looking You're for worried about fake, you know, fake news. And I mean, Sergey, I always butcher his name, Sergey, Sergey Lapdog. Um, you know, always just does whatever the, you know, whatever Putin's points are, he puts out as fake as they may be. And then decries, there's all this fake stuff out. Dude, you're the guy doing it. Right. <laughs> you can't see this uh, because it's an audio podcast, but the little caption up top that I put said that the clip was from Russia today. So you hear that you go, oh, okay. Cause that's the, the sort of the, the state arm of, you know, the Russian government and their media and it's infiltrated you know, and uh, various other countries. I know uh, Russia today, I believe you can actually catch it in some American cities, not all. I know I have Fios, my cable provider doesn't carry it to the best of my knowledge, but I mean, it's, it's out there. People, people absorb it. And the tenant people and the sort of people who tend to believe that information, they get all hyped up by Newsmax and OAN and, you know, certain programs on Fox. But that's the strength of our country, if you think about it. I mean, you know, we allow you know, the marketplace of ideas. If we were in Russia trying to do what we're doing right here today, we'd all be in jail or poison. I mean, that's the, the reality of the difference between the two systems, especially Tom. <laughs> you know what? To add them all to the list. I've pissed <laughs> off so many groups of people over the years. <laughs> Second Amendment people. Uh, Blue Lives Matter folks, Reddit commentators, like thankfully all those groups hate each other. So like, you know, otherwise there's no, I have no organized opposition. Light poisoning is actually how Tom lost his hair. <laughs> <laughs> I got that too. Oh, you guys have too many opinions, according to the Russians. Efforts to get the Russian people on the government side include a forced attendance at a pro-invasion rally, which means Russia is partying like it's 1929. The rally itself and the optics are dissected in this news clip. Uh, Today, you know, we also mentioned that huge rally Vladimir Putin 
held in Moscow, marking the eighth anniversary. This is what he was celebrating of the annexation of Crimea. That is the territory that was part of Ukraine that in 2014 Russian forces seized without a shot fired, I should say. This rally, you know, we, we, there are reports that some of the people who were there told reporters that uh, they'd been forced to go there by their bosses. Others didn't want to be photographed. And, and some said that they were told there would just be a concert. It feels like, as a leader, he is becoming Brezhnev or Khrushchev or something like that. Like, like he's literally turning the clock back in the, the, the crazy Soviet style. Am, am I overstating that? No, or, or like Kim Jong-un or Kim Il-sung or any of the, the other Stalinist dictators that we, uh, that we know and seen uh, operating around the world. So, Terry, this is, this is sort of the, the, the old Stalinist play. Uh, it wasn't an invite. It, you will be there and you will wave the flag. Uh, you will check your, your uh, box uh, and, then you can, uh, and then you can go home. And, in fact, we saw reports of people who showed up, checked the box, said, hey, I showed up, and then immediately left the... Uh, but I think one of the things that, to take away from it, I mean, it, it's obviously designed for uh, domestic political consumption. Nobody outside of Russia believes that that was anything but a staged rally. So I think one of the things we need to think about is what did Mr. Putin say? Uh, and the thing that I think was uh, was most interesting to me, at least, was he talked about the Donbass uh, and, and taking back the Donbass. So he didn't uh, talk about the demands of the denazification as much. He didn't talk about uh, what he thinks the uh, the Ukrainians need to do in, st in terms of staying away from the EU or from NATO. Uh, so his demands and the things he focused on were much, uh, uh, much more limited and weren't the same sort of uh, uh, extreme demands that we know are being presented at the negotiating table with the Ukrainians. Kudos to that anchor for, you know, not accidentally, and I'm putting this in air quotes, accidentally dropping, you know, Donald Trump's name into that, uh, into that list of people with the, you know, the, the forced rallies. And That's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. I uh, Gina, I was just thinking about like his obsession with how many people came to his, uh, and, and like, same thing I think your brain went to. I was like, the, can you imagine like uh, just the former, you know, Obama being like, how I would like an aerial picture of how many people showed up to this. And I, I can't, it's like, why, why is that the obsession? I just it's narcissism, as you know, <laughs> right. well, the, the former like, guy also paid people to go to his yeah. rallies. Yeah. I don't think Putin has to pay anybody. Yeah. Well, that's coercion for you. Uh, Not money but, anyway. Uh, yes. Right. He yes. just won't feed them. Like no food will get to them. No <laughs> internet, right. no nothing. Or right. the aforementioned poisonings. They have enough incentive. You know, the, the funny part to me was they're talking about all the soldiers in the Donbass region. And, you know, they're bringing lots of them back because they're having frostbite. And then you've got the dumb boss, Putin, wandering around in his designer parka. Uh, you know, I mean, if I were a soldier over there and I saw that, I'm thinking, you know, my my colleague's feet are freezing and he's wandering around in this parka showing off. I, I would think that that's not going to go over well with the troops and the, the people in the streets. Well, good thing the troops don't actually have, you know, internet access and television because their feet are freezing off. So I'm pretty sure they don't know that's happening. Well, I, I bet it's on Russian television over there. And, you know, for, for those that grew up and were a certain age and remember the old Russian national anthem, you know, there's a part in the international where they talk about shooting the generals from their own side. And, you know, I kind of think that might come true if this thing keeps going the way it's going. Shooting the generals from their own side? Like I'm, I'm thinking maybe that's how like we were talking earlier about 
you know, Russian street performances, like maybe it's going to turn into the situation where like you have a whole bunch of, you know, protesters suddenly going after the government, you know, fingers crossed. It's a long shot, but overthrowing them. Wouldn't it be great if their chant was in Russia, protesters arrest you. <laughs> Are you opening for Yakov Smirnov? <laughs> I like the one on Facebook where everybody has the thing where you put your dog poop called a poo tin. I think that one's, you know, you got to make fun of him directly. Uh, you know, maybe if they did some street theater where all the guys took their shirts off and pretended like they were riding horses or something. I don't know. So I actually heard a funny story about some, uh, I believe it was Americans who were in France and ordered poutine and they were upset <laughs> yeah, yeah. because they thought that it was named after Putin. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, no, this has been around for a long time. Yeah. Also, what? Right. <laughs> right. It's not even spelled the same. <laughs> Let's not overestimate the Russians either. I mean, yes, they have nukes, I guess, if, you know, they work. But I, I remember when the wall came down, I, I had a friend of mine who was in Slovenia, who was part of the revolution there. And I said, you, know, you guys are taking on Tito and, you know, Yugoslavia had all these tanks and weapons and you guys are just kind of up on the eastern side of the Alps. How, how are you gonna how are you gonna win that thing? What were you thinking? And he said, Oh, we just like threw stuff down off the mountain. And I'm like, what do you mean you threw stuff? Like, what kind of stuff were you throwing? And he said, Well, all the tanks were World War II era tanks. They couldn't make it up the mountains. So we could throw typewriters at them and you know they were breaking down. And finally they just said, you know what, keep the hills, and that's how Slovenia got their independence. So, you know, when we see the Russian army kind of breaking down. Yeah, is the Russian army really all we thought it was? I mean, missiles are missiles, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to start World War III, but I, I, I'm a little less concerned that the tanks are going to be, you know, rolling in the Baltics when these guys can, you know, barely get across the country. I think it'd be great if a comment on this podcast was what started World War III. Then we could get some listeners. <laughs> to sum up, I think about the possibility of leaving an area I've called home for years. It may come to fruition, that my fellow Marylanders may run me out of the area after years of local notoriety. Pittsburgh would be the most obvious choice for me, as the hordes of people who have finally snapped about having me live in their state will be afraid to enter the greater Pittsburgh metro area. As a bonus, since Baltimore doesn't have a hockey team, the locals would make me an honorary Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Ultimately, I know what my preferred relocated city would be. Cleveland, Ohio. Ah, yes, the great city of Cleveland. I know that as much as people make jokes about the city, I will feel at home as I have found it aesthetically comforting that in a place like Cleveland, out front of a convenience store, I will expect to see someone wearing a t-shirt that has, hey, Schittsburg and two middle fingers on it. All that would be missing would be someone mixing Old Bay into their heroin syringe before shooting up. That would truly make my new place of residence feel like home. <laughs> And on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Gina Brown, and Ward Morrow. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Good Tom. times, guys. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Gina Brown, and guest Ward Morrow. Theme music by Euron Vandenhurek. Executive producers Tom Myers, Matt Connerton for IPM Nation, and Eddie Carson for Odyssey Radio. Thank you for listening, and please visit TomMyers.us.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Ugly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. <laughs> Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.